Welcome back to the program. We're going to begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I praise you and I thank you for all of the blessings that you pour forth upon our lives. Lord, uh, you are so gracious and merciful. You meet us at our point of need. And Lord, we crowd to you right now. We need you. We need your mercy. We need your anointing. Lord, just give us your anointing uh, that we would be able to uh, just move with your word, that your word would come forward, that it would have an impact, that you'd be glorified in this, and that, Lord, would be cleansed uh, along the way, that would be purified along the way. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Carrie, I was reading in the ascent of Mount Carmel. Um, so it's, it's that one of the famous works of St. John of the Cross. And basically, the idea is that you're climbing a mountain. And climbing the mountain, you might remember in the Old Testament, where did they encounter God? Uh, where did he often appear? Mountaintops. Mountaintops, right. And so that theme of encountering the Lord on high mountains, and who encountered the Lord on a high mountain in Carmel? Elijah. Yes. You knew that. You knew that. I know you knew that. You know me. And so uh, Elijah is the patron saint of the Carmelites. Anyways, the, um, the ascent of Mount Carmel, he's taking you on the journey through the three stages of the spiritual life. In particular, he's focusing in on these two dark nights. Basically, if you're going to go deeper, you have to be purged. If you want to go deeper into the life of prayer, you need to be purified. And that's marked by darkness. And it's funny because so often we think that our lives of prayer are blessed if we get light, if we get consolation, if we get what would be considered an abundance of spiritual riches. And St. John of the Cross would say, oh, you're such a beginner. You're such a beginner because you still need all of those lo- lollipops to come to the game. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I like the lollipops. I don't know why I said lollipops. Just like some candy, something sweet. Yes, after you get a little treatment, you get a treat. Yeah, there you go. And but instead, he's like, no, it's it's about being like like detached from these, dried up, diminished, stripped away. Like you, you're going to deaden all of those desires in order to be able to go for, forward into deeper desires. And and then that's how it just continues. Well, the Ascent of Mount Carmel just ends. It's like he ends in the middle of a paragraph. Yeah, <laughs> Did he, he die? didn't finish it. No. <laughs> I just... I, and the interesting thing is I don't remember why he didn't finish it, uh, but he ended up writing books about further up the spiritual journey, The Living Flame of Love and The Spiritual Canticle. But be that as it may, he ends The Ascent of Mount Carmel. This is going somewhere. Um, talking about preachers and um, what he says, I've mentioned to you before, if you remember, what is it that determines the fruitfulness of a preacher? Their holiness. Their holiness and the faith of the community. And he uses such powerful imagery around the holiness of the preacher that um, the word of the preacher ought to be able to raise the dead. And that is so like striking that that's the intent like that's not just some poetic exaggeration no that's that's what god intends tom when jesus was preaching to or with his own people and he said that they did not have faith and he had to leave them and he rebuked them yes excellent you remember that story where Jesus could perform few miracles, even Jesus. Even Jesus, God. Even yes, Jesus, so. the God-made man. So, so a community really needs to be built up in faith, have faith, bring faith to an event or to a space. Yeah. Well, you remember we, we were talking at, um, it was like after a game, we went over to our friend's house, and they were talking about missionary work in Africa and do you remember what they were saying about spiritual warfare and a sensitivity to the spirit, the dimension of the spiritual? Yeah, just that it was very present and real and obvious. 
Yeah, it was something that their culture in these particular African countries, that there was a, a much greater sensitivity and belief and expectation that d uh, the demonic and the mystical, the supernatural, were part and parcel of daily life. So the idea that uh, you know angels and demons would be swirling around your life and that spiritual power can be connected to your life was just a given. That was just something they did. And do you remember what my insight was? Yeah, I thought your insight was really insightful. <laughs> that our own materialism in our culture, in our country, and in those like first world space countries diminish or keep a distance between the supernatural and the natural because we're so caught up in the the material. Yeah, and it was actually to to be full full disclosure, it's really C.S. Lewis that okay. I, I stole it from. Did I not mention that? No. <laughs> I think I took credit for it. it. Well, truth is truth. Okay, you don't so, have to, if you had to quote or give credit to everything that you say. I know, really, you wouldn't get very far. So C.S. Lewis says this, but it's also in other aspects of our Catholic tradition that um, in places that have a high degree of awareness and belief in spirits spirits will be made manifest so the demonic is something that um, shows up in day-to-day -day life and in spiritual practice but in materialistic cultures like ours where there is a great sense of disbelief in anything that isn't tangible and measurable through scientific means uh, that what is is what is visible that um, the demonic is not going to be as apparent because the devil can get his work done better if he doesn't make himself known and visible. Um, otherwise, all of a sudden, you have these folks who have to stop and ponder and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe everything that is that exists is not simply material. And then all of a sudden, God comes back into the picture. So... Um, yeah, that was an interesting conversation. Uh, just that they had some wild stories about like um, witch doctors and hexes and curses and things like that. And it, it actually reminds me of that book by Father, Father Amorth. Um, he was the exorcist of um, the Archdiocese of Rome. So he was the one who trained all of these exorcists and has brought into the modern day quite a lot of um, like recovery of insights into the world of exorcisms and, and deliverance. Um, Father Gabriel Amorth, and he wrote a book, um, you know, An Exorcist Tells His Story. I have it. I don't think I actually have it visible on my shelf because I don't want my kids reading it, but he goes into great detail and like insight into the way that um Things that we do have like an attractive capability to like open doors for de demons. It's interesting that some of the most popular podcasts of famous Catholic podcasters are those that have an exorcist or someone who specializes in the occult or the supernatural. Well, de definitely just exorcists. Like as a guest. Yes, as a guest. Because I think there's such a fascination with the supernatural and it, it's interesting that listening to those stories actually builds my face, face, my faith, <laughs> because um, I do feel like we're in a dulled kind of two-dimensional um, culture. I don't sense a supernatural, I, I sense evil, but not to the extent that you would see it if it was in a third world, well, just not that third world countries have, you know, supernatural, but because of their less materialistic um, influences or just that takes that kind of um, place. So then, you just have more. Well, take it also to the positive side. Well, what's the what's the opposite of having greater uh, demonic activity harassing our lives, infesting and and uh, obsessing folks and all of that? It's supernatural inbreaking. It's miracles. It's signs. It's wonders. And I remember. Um, Mary Healy, she grew up in a charismatic Catholic covenant community in a very Catholic charismatic home. And yet, 
even though she was this doctor of, the, of biblical theology and had this great expectation that the Holy Spirit's baptism has come, it wasn't until she went to Brazil. And I think it was Brazil. It might have been somewhere in South America. And she was among the poor, the radical poor. And they had nothing but God. And when you have nothing but God and you're relying entirely on God, guess what? God shows up. God shows up in power. Because you don't have the medical means. Oh, yeah? You got the divine physician showing up, healing, blind, and deaf. And she was stunned. Just stunned. And I think some of those stories are just hard to believe if you... If I only live in this country. And that was what she said. She said, people came back and they're like, oh my goodness, you don't believe, you don't get it. It's real. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It can't really be that real. It really can't be that real. And then it went, and, and she got to witness it, but not only witness it, she was brought in to also participate in it, to share in it, to then carry it forward as someone who would minister with the expectation of miracles. And I still remember, she came to the gift conference at St. Stephen the Martyr several years ago. And she gave this great talk on the theology of miracles and signs and wonders. And, and then she said, okay, now let's do it. And I got nervous. I'm like, I, I'm <laughs> she like said, you did not is have this, the is faith. Is this real? Is this actually? The faith of the community was is, lacking. Is this really going to be real here? And she started calling out words of knowledge. She started calling out that the, the Lord is healing this and that and the other thing. And um, it was very powerful. There were lots of miracles that day. And I just thought that was like, wow. And you, you know that um, the encounter movement? Yes. The priest who is uh, like the one that is identified with that movement was a student of Mary Healy's. And you know, heard these stories about all of this. And um, and then he ended up getting connected with some other evangelical, like signs and wonder guy. Okay, this actually is totally relevant to <laughs> the Ascent of Mount Carmel <laughs> and our radio program. Okay, good. Yeah, it was. And you know what it is? It's the word anointing. Because I don't want our words to just be words, to be even well-stated to be interesting, to be clever, funny, funny, entertaining. No, I I want them to be anointed. And anointed is a way of identifying what John of the Cross is talking about when he says there's a difference. There's a difference. It's it's holiness, but it's an anointing. Does he use that word? No, but I'm making pretend he did. Okay, because I was trying to imagine him using those. (laughs) He talks about the supernatural inbreaking, the work of grace that goes beyond human capacity. And so when you think about the experience of anointing, it's when you're doing an activity that you typically do. Typically, it's a faith-based activity, but there's a sense of flow. There's just things are flowing. Have you had that experience recently? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll have that. Oh, yeah, like every day. What are you talking about, honey? Don't you have that? <laughs> I sometimes have that in prayer when I'm praying in the morning. Um, I think it probably happens once a week uh, on the radio. So maybe maybe twice a week uh, I'll, be, I'll be talking on something, and then all of a sudden it's like the car pulled up, I jumped in, and boom. All of a sudden now I'm not riding a bike uphill any longer, but I'm just being carried it's just this flow and there's this sense of power or weightiness where, yeah, I could say the same words, but somehow, well, not somehow, by God's gracious anointing, these words have greater impact. Like it happened yesterday during a particular part of the program. I was talking about like healing and woundedness. And I was mentioning your word of healing. And then all of a sudden, I just got carried into this sense that I was supposed to pray. And the prayer, it just flowed. I I didn't have it written down and all those other things. It just flowed. And it was very beautiful. I, it was like, oh, that's the sense of anointing. And 
I, I mentioned that to you, Carrie, because here you and I are launching into this program and at a human level, we could be lagging behind. We could feel insufficient to the task. And that's why I was saying we need the Lord's anointing to just power this entire program. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. I'm with my wonderful wife, Carrie. So Carrie, um, you announced to me and, and a little bit to the family that beginning today, now this is February 1st, you're hearing this program on the 2nd, folks, um, February 1st, um, we have two major spiritual undertakings that um, you and I are going to do, and then the family will also do. One is, do you want, you, why don't you say what they are? I think you're awesome at announcing stuff. We're going to do, um, okay. Uh, the uh, consecration <laughs> to St. Joseph. Should, should which I keep is walking us through this, dear? Which is 33 days. Yep, that's the that that's from Father Donald Calloway. He was the my the main speaker at the men's conference in Boise uh, this past weekend, and um, and it was one of the things that was promoted was guys lean on Joseph, look to Joseph. He is your he's he's your hero in faith. He is your great protector as assigned by God, and um, a great intercessor. And so consecrate yourself, your marriage, your family, to St. Joseph. And so that's the first one, and we're going to talk more about that. But the second one is something coming up at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Lourdes, and it is the Novena. And it's actually a Novena for healing. A Novena, and why is that significant, dear? Because that's my word. I, I, I could not hear even, I couldn't hear you. you couldn't hear. I, I'm sitting four feet from you, and you whispered that so quietly that I couldn't even hear you. I just need people to turn up the radio so they can actually hear. Uh, the word healing is my word for the year. Yes. And so the theme of the, uh, of the novena is healing. I love and that. And this is like the 11th annual um, novena they've done there. It starts February 3rd, and it's a 45-minute every night event sometimes it starts at 5 30 and other times well a couple times it starts at four i think those are on the weekend right yes. saturday and sunday yeah so this is something it's tuesday it begins tomorrow and uh, if you're in the spokane area come on down come when you can but you can still pray the novena to our lady of lords um, without going if you're if you're obviously if you're not in the area it starts on thursday and uh, oh, sorry, Thursday. Wait, it's today. Wait, today's Tuesday. Yeah, Thursday. Oh, that's right. I know. Oh, I'm mixing up my days. I keep thinking too. today's Monday. <laughs> no, today's Tuesday, but no, people listening. It's recording on Tuesday. It's airing on Wednesday. <laughs> Novena starts on Thursday. Man, that was com complicated. The reason I want to do the, the consecration to St. Joseph is because it's the first of the month. So it just seems like the beginning of a month is a neat time, a clean like time to start something so i said let's do it starting february 1st and i don't even know much about saint joseph or the spirituality of him or this book i've not read but i just feel like i'm supposed to do it so i'll do it with you so you know they have like um the greatest of all the goat right like yeah the greatest, greatest of all, of all time. time yes so the greatest of all time quarterbacks who's number one brady. don't even think about brady. not saying tom brady okay <laughs> yeah so uh he so, would be a good word to use in work. I don't know if he could use his word. I pro you probably goat? can't use pronouns. Brady. For what? In that new app where you, it's like, a, it's called Wordle, and you put in a five-letter word every day, and you slowly guess the word. It's a big thing. It's a phenomenon. It yeah. I've only played it once, but it seems really cool. But <laughs> I will not be wasting my time with it. Not that if you do it, it's a waste of time. I have other <laughs> games that I waste my time with. They're a lot easier. That was a nice little diversion on a side <laughs> road there. That was good. I like that. Well, the um, greatest of all time, you can do that with so many things. Greatest basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan. But really? People, yeah. He would be the consensus. Um, it would be difficult to say someone else. Not Steph Some Curry? would say LeBron James. Some might say Wilt Chamberlain. A few Those might are so say old. Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Um, but... Really, it's he just kind of broke a ceiling. Yeah, he's amazing. So, um, the 
But when you think of saints, well, the goat is the Blessed Mother. But who else is in the in the top tier? I don't even think Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph, I know. Isn't that that's is why I'm bringing it up. I, I went through all of that big wind up, Carrie. Written anything? You don't. You can't get to know him, except for the very very small times he shows up in scripture. It would be easier to get to know Saint John of the Cross because he has all this all these works written about him and actually stories about him, or Saint Francis of Assisi, or it could go on and on. Not Saint Joseph. Right. But St. Joseph is considered, after the Blessed Mother, to be the greatest saint of all time. Now, it doesn't, it's not that complicated to figure out why. He's the father of Jesus. He's the foster, the foster father. father of Jesus and the custodian of, of Mary. Mary. Okay. So he's I'm the just saying, how Mary. hard would it be to be a saint if you're with Mary and Jesus? That's just, <laughs> I just think that should be an automatic, like, disc- like no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when John Luke says, Dad, if I played on Liliana's soccer team, who's nine years old, do you think we would definitely win? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. So it's like, he's he's Liliana, he's like, and he's he got two seniors in high school playing on her soccer team. Of course, it's going to be a shutout. Um, yeah, I would say this, that it's it's connected to that theological axiom that as you are called so you shall be graced. Okay. And because his call was so exalted, the graces given to him would also be exalted. Uh, extraordinary. And, and you see signs of it. Well, first of all, he was communicated to by an angel in a dream when he was attempting to discern, like, what's going on with my espoused wife, Mary, and uh, he's told that the Holy Spirit has conceived the child in the womb, and this child will be called Jesus. Uh, and so it's revealed to him that he's going to be marrying a woman, the woman who's carrying the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who is the Son of God. I guess I'll have to be convinced. St. Joseph, you have 33 days to show me why you are a goat, greatest of all time. He's yeah. going to put me to shame. I'm going to be like, oh, I can't believe I said that. It was like, it was like sacrilege. <laughs> well, I think about it from, it, it, like, what do we know about some of the, the events that involve his life? You have, um, the, first of all, the, um, the fact that he accepts Mary as being immaculately conceived and takes her in to his home. Second is the fact that he... Um, he trusts that the Lord is going to give them a place to have Jesus be born. Tom, you can go through his whole life. I'm just going to say, St. Paul, okay, imprisoned, 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 imprisoned. Yeah, but it's just him. He doesn't and worry about a wife crucified and upside down. I don't know. It just like, it seems like a soft, nice, comfortable, <laughs> let's have some tea and talk about the tour. I don't know. Even the daily life. The, one of the big things that... Um, when saints do write about Joseph, they write about what's called the hidden years. So they definitely are hidden. I don't know much. All about right, him. wise guy. All right, I, I again, I, I don't years? know much about him, but the hidden years are the years of Jesus before he went. He had his public ministry, and and when he turned thirty, and so all of those years, he, uh, you know, grew up in this home. And in fact, look at that icon sitting on the table. You have Jesus probably 12, 15, 13, and he's like swinging a hammer. And there's Joseph sawing a, some wood. And there's the Blessed Mother um, doing some kind of sewing or I don't know what that she's is. Overseeing. Yarn. She's, she's overseeing. She's just supervising. She's <laughs> typical. No, she's got some kind of like yarn <laughs> she's thing. She's just watching Joseph. And <laughs> you are, you're going to get smashed. Okay, spiritually, you, you kind of... You're doubting St. Joseph, and, and you're talking about the Blessed Mother as just sitting there. <laughs> she, well, she's not sewing. She's literally watching him. She is like at the wedding feast of Cana. Tell, woman, it's not my time. Tell him. Go do what he tells you to do. She's kind of boss. So She is the intercessor. She, oh, okay, she's interceding right she's there. She's this great intercessor. All right. So, um, I have so, a lot of, like, I don't have problems with the ascent because I'm not even, like, out of the first stage of spiritual growth. 
You're still in the purgation, the, the yeah. purgative stage. I was thinking it was really funny when you're talking about the um, Saint John the Cross and his his um, what do you call it? His theology or his spiritual um, yeah spiritual writings. I think our Western culture is so materialistic that we just came up with the whole prosperity gospel. As soon as things got difficult and trying and hard, we're just like, okay, you know, name it and claim it. We just kind of moved into this whole benefit of if you pray, if you seek the Lord, he'll bless you. He'll give you, you know, 30, 60, 100 fold or whatever. And they just left the whole cross part of it to the side. And then when your spirituality got difficult, if you got, you know, a terrible cancer or your spouse left you or just horrible or horrific kind of past things that happened that you weren't healed of, the people just left church. They just walked away from God, which is interesting because I think that if you're not willing to take up the cross, you're not willing to go through the dark night, then you're just, I'm going to be in many, many years of mediocrity, right? a spiritual malaise, just kind of, chugging along, not really, well, you could grow, but you could gain more wisdom and more insight. But as far as becoming holy to the point where there's this anointing, it doesn't really happen that quickly. It happens over such a long season. I don't know. I just, I'm thinking back, Tom, I'm just taking this away from St. Joseph (laughs) and moving back to this whole spirituality of how our culture really affects how we encounter faith and just how much we don't believe and lack faith. And so therefore, if someone comes with an anointing, do we really see great miracles and great works? And do we even expect it? Do we even hope for it? I don't think we do in our culture. Yeah, it's when you take a look at theology, the theology of God and of, of, a, of a created being, there are these two concepts, imminence and transcendence. You, you've heard the word transcendence before. Yes. To transcend means... To go beyond. To go beyond. And when we talk about the transcendence of God and transcendence as part of the spiritual life, it's talking about going beyond the realm of the created, going beyond the realm of the visible, the realm of the material. Imminence has to do with the drawing near to the realm of of the visible, the created, that which is close to us in, in a sensate way. I don't understand that word. I don't think I've ever heard that word before. Imminence. Yeah. yeah. Not imminent, like it's about to happen, but imminence um, is the counterpoint to transcendence. So instead of going beyond, it is drawing near. Okay. Okay. So the question becomes, how does St. John of the Cross and these greatest spiritual writers say that a child of God attains to transcendence. How do we go beyond the world? I don't know. Go in the kingdom. Like going in. Heaven is in, within. The kingdom of God is within you, Gospel of Luke. And the idea is, and what John of the Cross is mapping out, is this journey, this journey higher, isn't a journey physically outward and beyond, because guess what? You can get in a rocket ship and go into outer space and you don't get beyond the created world. You're still in the created world. So how do you get beyond the realm of the material? And it is by going within. Because when you go within yourself, you reach to the heart. You reach to the place of spirit. Because you, as a human created spirit, come into contact with, ooh, wait a minute, and go beyond the created world by the path of imminence. So you, by going within yourself, you go beyond yourself. Whoa. Okay. Okay, let's stop. You know, when I was on that women's day, it wasn't really a retreat. It was like a day of getaway. Like a workshop conference. Yeah, workshop, yeah. Um, Heather Kim, the keynote speaker, kept talking about our goal being to encounter intimacy with the Lord. It's really important that we encounter intimacy with the Lord. And I didn't quite... That didn't quite sit right with me. I didn't know what she meant by that because not that I don't seek to know him in an intimate way, but I didn't feel like that was my goal. That just seemed, I don't know, it just didn't seem like the right language. Maybe she was trying to say something else and that's the word she used. Well, and I don't know the full context of what she's talking about, but intimacy 
it, it's a beautiful human experience of self-revelation and tenderness. I think it's much an experience, and I just didn't feel like that was enough. Yeah. Okay. So if you say that the goal of the spiritual life is to have this sense of the Lord tenderly drawing close to you and revealing who he is to you, then you have that sense of nearness. You have that sense of imminence. But John of the Cross would say, it's a wonderful lollipop. It's a great place to start, but it's not what the Lord in the journey he has for you is going to lead you to. He'll start, John of the Cross will start saying things like, I'm going to use John of the Cross language on that idea, that deeper intimacy is found in the absence of intimacy than in the presence of intimacy. What? <laughs> well, when you strip away intimacy as a felt experience at a human level, at a visible, physical, sensate level, you then become more access accessible to, you can now enter into a level of intimacy that's at a spiritual level, but only when you diminish and strip away and are purified of any desire for intimacy at a sensate level. So spiritual intimacy is on the, on the backside of the darkness of the dark night, uh, the dark night of intimacy. So that's a John of the Cross response. But there's more to say on that in a minute, Carrie, on Sun Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Carrie, we were at uh, the Oaks last night for senior night and at the basketball games for the girls and the boys. And that was so powerful. It was really powerful because the coaches got up and they had a chance to honor seniors. The parents came down on the floor and the coach had something to say in each of these games. So the girls coach and the boys coach about these seniors. Uh, what struck you about that? Uh, I'm not sure. I'll tell you what struck okay, me. Okay, wait, tell me well, what struck you've, you. you've been part of a lot of senior nights. They're beautiful. They're momentous. This is there's a sadness to it because this is the last game of the season and the last game of their well career, I guess. And that's for most kids and most high schools. They're not going to play college ball. Um, I was thinking about it from a much more um, like bragging standpoint about the Oaks that these coaches were all about scripture and faith. And the Lord and how I saw the Lord at work in you and what the Lord did in you and how you brought this beautiful Christian character to the team. Well, you just don't hear that. That's just the, I just thought that was so powerful. Yes. I think I'm now that we've been there a couple of years, I'm used to it, but for sure the first seasons, the first couple of seasons, I think it was very striking. And now it just makes me smile and go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> well, that's kind of like the feast of the presentation. There's a presenting, and there was a sort of presenting out into the open this particular senior to be honored and acknowledged by everyone. Oh, it's a good way of connecting those two. Yeah, I and I, I just I, I love that. And this weekend we have these tournaments coming up for the boys and the girls. And boy, is it exciting! Uh, we want to crush that other team in Jesus' holy name. <laughs> Can we even say their name out loud? I know. It's terrible. It's just terrible. Um, but there's, there's sort of a destin there's a destiny that um, our teams are going to meet in the finals on both the boys' side and the girls' side. There's a, um, some teams that are coming from a few hours away, like two, two and a half. So I was hoping they would stay at our house. I went up to some of the girls from the Pullman team and it's like, you guys want to stay at our house? How many are on your team? We could we could fit like eight, ten. Just sleep on the floor. We have sleeping bags. We have couches. We have. Did you really make that offer? Well, I had Ariana on Instagram. Oh, private message some okay. of the girls, but I I would have to get their moms some of the moms' phone numbers and actually right. call them and explain we're not crazy, weird, <laughs> some stalker family over here that just you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just think it'd be really fun because they have to drive back two hours and then come back two hours and drive because it's a three day tournament. Unless they get a house or a, a, you know, an apartment or a hotel, and I just think it'd be so fun and such a blessing for us to have these amazing kids, teenagers in our house, and to be able to serve them and just celebrate, you know, these Christian schools and the church unity. And I don't know, I just although they probably wonder like 
we're staying at a house that's Catholic. There's a lot of statues and Mary, and <laughs> so we might get flagged. No, we'll just, pray. <laughs> just pray a rosary. Let's say, okay, we're going to do our rosary. Let's go. Here, bless yourself before you come in the house. We have holy water. Yeah, here's some holy water. Here's some epiphany water. Let me tell you Does about anybody need a rosary? Water. We're going to be... <laughs> no, but um, they're just such a great group of kids, and I would just love to serve them that way. So, and it's, you know, it's low key. It's not a big deal. Yeah. I just, I, I really enjoy the, the spirit um, that is among most of the teams, right, that you have um, of the kids doing that. Um, so in, in this Feast of the Presentation, Carrie, one of the things that I think of is that the Feast of the Presentation, Carrie, involves the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph. So now Jesus, the firstborn son, according to Jewish custom, was brought to the temple at 40 days old in order to be presented to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord, consecrated to the Lord. Is that why we baptize infants? Yeah, it would be our form of consecration, of dedication, of, of giving. So I think it's really cool, Carrie. I think you were actually truly inspired to say, let's enter into a consecration to St. Joseph. Oh, is this all going to tie together? Yeah. Am I going to have a lot of fireworks go off? I yeah. love excitement and like woohoo and adventure and the Lord just like going beyond and blowing my mind with all these tie-ins. I'm really hoping that this is going to be a spark. Nice. Plug. Well, especially because I, I thought you were like, <laughs> I thought you week. came away from the conference like this is your task. Everyone's going to do this 33-day consecration. Oh, well, Mother Catherine you did say, has Tom read the book from Father Calloway? I was like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. She goes, I really encourage it. Well, I was sharing with her how many men are trying to lead their families to come over here to live and that you were that day showing a couple of houses and doing real estate. And so I think she was just really inspired to say, this is a really powerful tool that families can get behind or invite to come into their space of, we are discerning this move or we're discerning this whole job change or how Lord do you want to work in the midst of this crisis? And so she just mentioned it as a powerful, um, something that they've implemented and to consecrate your family, I guess it would be your family, your house, your home, your heart. I don't know to Jesus or to Joseph. I have to read the book. I'll let All you know. All the above, dear. Everything. All of the above. And so I don't, she just mentioned, you know, it's funny how someone just mentioned something and then you let it go. You don't think about it. And then just the Lord just kind of brings it full circle. And I, again, February 1st, we're all still starting. Should I say what we're starting today? Yeah, let's go. Uh -huh. Put it out there out loud. Maybe it'll give me some extra strength. Because, you know, I was actually thinking about making some popcorn after the no. after the program. I accidentally ate mashed potatoes for dinner. That's okay. We're doing keto We're for a back. month. Well, just a cleanse. I think it's more like I'm doing a sugar cleanse. Are you? Oh, wow. I was just going all in. I, I actually had a really good day. Well, I, it's not that I, I just am limiting carbs and sugar, which is keto. Why don't you eliminate? carbs and sugar really Limited. almost entirely because i'm weak i don't know there's like some things that like I, I like fruit and there's like apples and oranges and some sweets that are not bad and i don't want to be but i don't know now you're challenging me you're putting me on the I spot am. let's go well what motivates you i, I know one thing that motivates you we've got this upcoming <laughs> gala i'm going to arizona oh you're going to arizona okay <laughs> i need to lose these like six pounds it won't leave me please leave me um, my weight motivates me, like get in shape. And it's not even like a, you should go exercise to feel good about yourself and to get energy. Yeah, and all those all great, amazing things. Yeah. No, it's just pure vanity. I just, well, I'm glad you acknowledge that. Maybe you'll get purified during the month. I of, definitely need to be purified. Well, Carrie, I had to admit. Spanks can only do so much. Well, here's the thing. You do realize that we're doing this 33 day consecration. And if we're doing this keto, it's a bit of a sacrifice in terms of eating. And um, when it ends, we're like right landing, in Lent. Right into Lent. It's going right into Lent. Let's right. go. We're just going to keep going. Um, yeah, I, I guess. Actually, like, I don't mind that. Yeah, I, I've I don't, been. I don't do want to do wait. This? I pray to God. I say, Lord, please. I fail at fasting so badly, and I so desire to fast. Give me the grace to fast more. Give me the grace. Do you ever pray for that? More penance? I, I pray for the grace to do more penance. I just say, Lord, I feel sad. That's where I stop. I don't ask for more. It's like, Lord, I've just failed. I'm so sad. I think there's a general feeling at my age that 
we've done these spiritual endeavors over and over and over. And maybe there's a limiting belief or a limiting sense of faith that God's going to break through this time or we're going to be able to, you know, power up as a couple and just really shoot to the moon or something. And so I can see how the mind is so powerful. And I was listening to a couple of different silly, you don't even want to know who I was listening to, about um, overcoming and positive thinking and all that stuff, which actually is really powerful. I mean, it really does impact, motivate motivate, your whole mind shift. Just like having a mantra or quoting scriptures over and over that are um, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me kind of scriptures and believing, bringing the faith to to action, saying, Lord, increase my faith, increase my belief in you, increase the power in which you want to, you know, overtake me and, and be victorious through me and all that stuff. Well, I think one of the things that's different between you and me, and it might be there a is a bit, lot of things different. Well, hold on, no, me, just a lot when it comes to spirituality, but that's okay. But I think part of it is that I'm a little bit more introverted than you. You're a little bit more extroverted, and so what I want to say is this: is that I really don't need a lot of other guys or other people to to do stuff for me to take on the challenge. I think in a way that you do. You, I think. Will would rely on the support, the encouragement, the accountability, the common path, the common commitment. I can do this because they're doing it too. Or is that overstated? No, I find great joy and fun and pleasure well, in being with other people and sharing stories and hearing their stories and just... No, but really concretely, it's like I don't you know. couldn't do keto by yourself. You'd say, honey, we have to do this together. All of a sudden, I get dragged. I got, I'm in the drag along. I get dragged along into this. I'm like, okay, That's I'll do this too. you. I but I'm, I'm willing a- to do it apart from you. And I don't even... like. I, I will gently suggest you less than gently really careful. need careful. me to careful. walk with you. <laughs> Walk, accompany you. I'm going to accompany I feel like you. I'm dead weight. I, that's why I just, I would benefit us better if I just go find my own group and you do your own thing and then we come back and share notes. Nice. Well, I'm glad we came up with a whole new plan <laughs> forward. All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sun Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carnan with my lovely wife, Carrie, and we're talking about, well, lots of things. Consecration to St. Joseph. You can get the book, Father um, Father Calloway, Calloway, Donald Calloway, and it's fathercalloway.com, uh, consecration to St. Joseph.com. Is there a certain time you're supposed to do this? Uh, no, you can. You, so what he says in the book is that, of course, you can start any time that you feel so inclined, but there are certain days that will end Leading up to feast days, oh, like okay. March nineteenth is the feast of Saint Joseph or the Solemnity of Saint Joseph. Oh, so you could start it. So in you like could start thirty-three days week? before that. So if we're going to end on the fifth, go before fourteen days. You could actually start on February fifteenth, and ish, maybe it's fourteenth because it's only twenty-eight days. But you start around the fifteenth, and you're going to end on the feast of Saint Joseph. So that, hey, maybe you could do them back to back. You do the. Novena First. to Our Lady of Lords, and then after that, do the consecrate. That actually sounds more realistic to me. Okay, but are you already d- dialed in on the? No, you have your book that you have to send me. I do on my phone or something. Yeah, so um, well, I could get. The, I really want the hard copy of the book. Then you know what? That's a sign. We're going to do them one at a time. Look okay. at this live discernment carry on the radio. I love it. I just got okay. out from doing two devotions in addition <laughs> to my daily rosary and liturgy of the hours every day. I. I'm going to do them back to back. That way I can focus on healing okay. with Our Lady of Lords and then focus on uh, the consecration of St. Joseph. I love that. That's really cool. And that actually gives listeners a chance to also join in. So um, do we want to get two copies of the book? One for you and one for me? Yeah. If you'd like to write in it. Yeah, I don't want to share it because I can never... That's like, fine, I like to we, carry we it around and I, battling. It, and I put it in my and, car. And you know what? I wonder if we could get... like I bet John Mark would do it. It might be good for John Luke to do it. Um, now that their basketball season will be done, yeah, the whole actually, family. You're right. We can get the whole family to do this. Mother Catherine Joseph said our whole family should do it. I believe. I think that's what she said. Yeah, I feel guilty whenever I see her. I kind of duck and go the other way. So, because <laughs> like the last three times I've seen her, she's asked me about it. So <laughs> she knew she, who to. She come. remembers. She knew to come to me. She's like Carrie will help. 
Joseph. Nice. Mary helped Joseph. I like I'm that. I'm the boss woman like Mary. I, I'm overseeing, supervising. <laughs> now you're spiritualizing your... Okay. I need we'll, all that we'll spiritualizing. Okay, so presentation. The Feast of the Presentation today. A couple of things that I want to bring up to parents. The first is just the whole concept of joining in to the act that Joseph and the Blessed Mother, St. Joseph and the Blessed Mother did in the instance of Jesus. They presented him in the temple. But I like to broaden that out because... Uh, honestly, like almost every listener that has kids, you've presented them to the Lord in the sacrament of baptism. Fair enough. But I have found it so consoling, so spiritually helpful as a parent to present my kids to the Lord consciously, intentionally, and daily. One, One at a time, by face and name, handing them over, to the Lord, that that act of presenting. Yes. And and here's the crazy thing, you would think that presenting is a form of abdicating, like you you take, you take her. her. That sounds like my. You, I am her. done. I am done. You take her. I'm presenting this one to you. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, so pre- presentation <laughs> as abdication, and um, and that's not what it is. It's presentation as stewardship presentation as stewardship meaning that the lord has entrusted to me his child and the greatest good that i can bring about in my kid's life is to present that one to god using the authority the spiritual leadership that is mine in my kids lives to present that one to the lord is so honoring of God. It's not abdication. It is holy stewardship. So I do that like whenever I go to Mass, like I go to daily Mass, whenever I'm going up to communion, Mm -hmm. what am I doing? Lord, I always present in in the presentation of the gifts, I'm presenting you, Mm -hmm. each of the kids by name and face, the whole family, all of our lives, presenting it onto the altar with the Lord in his presentation of his life. And then when I go forward to receive Holy Communion, I am present, but I am there on behalf of, in the place of, for the sake of you, Carrie, and each of the kids that I name. And that's presentation as Holy Stewardship. So I know that there are a lot of parents who are listening that yet you have a kid in a hard place. You have a spouse in a difficult place. You have a whole bunch of children or grandchildren in difficult places. Today, lean on the feast. Lean on the feast and present. Make an active presentation as a powerful means of stewardship. Present them to the Lord. It reminds me of this that little book, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. Yeah, exactly. Very good. And in there, it talks about in the cares and difficulties of family life and not just the number of children you have, but just the fact that it's hard to bring faith to them. And it's not up to us to do this. I mean, we're, I I would say we're co something with the Lord, bringing our kids to faith because we definitely have a role to play. But in here he says, um, have the courage to lay aside all other ambitions in your life and let this be the only object of your care and desire. What would that be? It would be to lead by good example, showing good example. So wow. it would be through prayer, through the rosary, through kindness, gentleness, Love service. is patient, love is kind, <laughs> generous service, sacrificial love. But I'm just thinking of all the amazing ambitions I have for other things in life. <laughs> in that if my true ambition, if I had the courage to lay aside all these other ambitions and have it be that it might be in a good example to them by how I'm living out faith. And also in here, he really talks about how hard it is today with the lack of putting trust in God and his providence and the burdens of what guys carry, especially in their families. And as a, and as a man's resources, however ample or assured they may seem, they're limited, uncertain, um, because we're just in the space where it's so easy to have this endless space of worry in it, it poisons our existence. And I have had these moments now where I feel poisoned, like 
um, my emotions or my thoughts about a situation just feel out of control. And in that, an ache, it's such an ache and a hurt and a wound. It's like, oh Lord, how are you going to, what are you going to, what am I supposed to? It just doesn't feel like there's any clear answer except to trust in him and to surrender those kids in that situation to him and to like, and, and I also feel just powerless. Like it's, it says by your good example. I'm like, but I'm not a great example. Lord. <laughs> it's like, I'm not being a very good co, I don't co-creator. know, sa- co-saver of our kids. Not that we bring salvation to our kids, but just by our example and witness and prayer and penance that we do have an, a role to play. And so then it makes me even more sad and feel like, how God are you going to do this? Um, and so this little space, I send this to my whole family because we all have young adults and teenagers who are struggling in their faith. And not just us, but this is a countrywide, maybe worldwide problem in the Catholic faith is so many young, you know, 14 to 34-year-olds have left the faith, are leaving the faith, don't know their faith, um, are without faith. Just, it, it's it's a wreckage. And I just ache. I feel for them. I feel for all these parents, and I don't know why um, this is the case, but that he will watch over them and dispose all things for their happiness and welfare. And the mere, and the more unreservedly we entrust their future into his hands, the greater will be his loving care. And then he says, at the very end, little or much will be given you according to as you have expected little or much. Where is your faith in trusting God? So it's bringing faith to that place and saying, Lord, I trust you just like when Jesus went into the town of his own people. And they're like, he's like, I can't really do much here because there's not a lot of faith. <laughs> I don't want him to look at us and say, uh, Carrie, you don't have a lot of faith. So I really can't help your kids that much. I mean, what are you doing? I don't know. It just, it was convicting when I read this. Yeah. I, I, I love it. That's, that's powerful. And I think about um, the way that God uh, partners with us. That's kind of a weird word, but if you read John Paul II, he has a really mysterious thing to talk about in terms of um, there are these unrealized ideas in the mind of God, children, that never come to be because parents restrict their generosity in terms of being open to life. And it's like, God, you are that, like, you constrain, you constrain yourself that much to us, us, like, limited like selfish beings that there are beings that you would have created that do not come to be because we are not open to life. Shocking. And, and that's presentation. Do we present our marriage to the Lord and say, Lord, as many children as you would have for us, we say yes. And then beyond that, the, just the reality of redemption, Lord, we long for your, redemptive life to reach them and if that means that we join you on the cross that's part of what we expect as parents as well so right on carrie very powerful all right we're at the end of our program i hope that this program has been a blessing to you all on this beautiful feast of the presentation of the lord in the temple all right god bless your day join me tomorrow for more sound insight